Lord, give us ears to hear. We want to hear from you today, Lord. We want to hear you speak. God, we need nothing, we need nothing else but to hear you speak today. And Lord, I pray that you would use the foolishness of preaching to convey what it is that you have for us today, Lord. We've prepared our hearts through worship, through prayer, through singing, through being together, being on one accord. And now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through the preaching of your word. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I do in preparing to preach um, almost every week is I write some of your names on my whiteboard. And I put up on the whiteboard uh, Luke Ossip, and for example. And I put up on my board um, Barney Johnson. And then I take some time and I, and I think about and pray about what does God want to say to Luke today? Through his word. What does God want to say to Barney today? Through his word. And I pray over that. So part of preparation for preaching is not just getting the words right, but it's getting the heart right. And really praying and asking God to speak, to communicate. You know, if, if, if Christ is not risen and if he has not sent his spirit and if he's not speaking to us today, then we really are wasting our time. We really are wasting our time. But I believe God has a message for us today and he has a message for all of us, but he has a message for some of you in particular. And so um, as, we, as we open God's word, Open your heart, open your mind, open your ears to hear what God has to say to you today. And I promise you, I will do the same. All right? God's word today comes to us in Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And so um, I would like y'all to stand up. And as I read the word, I don't always do this, but I want to begin with the word this morning. I'm reading from a different translation than I normally do. And if you uh, follow along in another translation, you'll see there's some difference in one of these translations. If you want to talk to me about that later, I would love to tell you why I chose the translation I chose. Okay, there's a reason. Um, and it's the NIV this morning. So I'm uh, reading from the NIV. This is God's word from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness and with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. Y'all have a seat. All right, I got, a, I got a phrase for you, okay? Here it is. I tend do it all my stash. I tend do it all my stash. 
what is that? That sounds like some gibberish, right? Well, it is actually gibberish. It's gibberish from my two-and-a-half-year-old named Isaiah. And he used to say this all the time. I tend to do it all my stash. I tend to do it all my stash, right, when he was two-and-a-half. He doesn't say it just quite like that anymore. But, uh, but what does that mean? What it mean? I hope you got it. I hope you got it, right? What it means is, uh, mommy or daddy, go away. <laughs> mommy or daddy, I tend to do it all my stash. Uh, right? So when uh, he was uh, uh, trying to get something out of the refrigerator, like his little milk cup, uh, let me help you with that, buddy, because uh, things might fall, you know. Uh, I tend to do it all my stash. Uh, uh, walking up the front steps to the house, the brick front steps, which lead to scraped knees um, often. Let me help you with that. I tend to do it all my stash. Right? Getting buckled into the car seat. I tend to do it all my stash. Climbing a tree, etc., etc., etc. You've heard of the terrible twos, right? Okay, well, the terrible twos uh, give kids a bad rap. It's not really, they're not really terrible. They're just learning to be independent. Right? They're just learning how to navigate life as little human beings, created in the image of God, ready to take on the world. I can do it all my stash. Sometimes we tell our father, I can do it all my stash, don't we? Well, you know, two and a half year olds are not really ready for independence. They're not really ready for independence, right? I mean, how many two-and-a-half-year-olds do we let drive? This many, right? Zero. How how many two-and-a-half-year-olds do we let handle uh, uh, something dangerous like a knife? Hopefully this many, right? Why? Because because two-and-a-half-year-olds are not ready for independence. Why? Because they will not survive. (laughs) They will not survive, and we will not survive, right? And, and And so... Children need loving parents, right? They need loving parents to help keep them from doing crazy things, like running out into the road. I mean, how many of you parents or big sisters or big brothers or aunts or uncles have run after a two-year-old to stop them from running right out into traffic? Raise your hand. A lot of hands in the room. Amen? All right, so why? Why do they, they're not ready for independence, so we got to go after them. we got to chase them down. And I want to show you something because... As I was reading this passage this week, something came to mind, and this is not an Amazon box, okay? I know it is, but it's not. It's just, I'm just hiding what I, what I want to show you, and here it is. This cute little lion, you take it and you buckle your child in with it, like that. You snap them in. It's on their back. It's cute. They like it. They enjoy it, Right? <laughs> and it has a leash, right? It has a leash. Why? Because when the two-year-old is in the airport with his mother, who has her hands full with luggage and etc., traveling by herself, we needed a way for her to contain the two-year-old, right? Now, is this cruel and unusual? No. This is love. This is love right here, right? This is love. This is for a child who says, I can do it all my stash, headed straight for danger, uh, headed straight for disaster. 
Sometimes our Father puts limits on us to keep us from danger. What is the universal question that every child asks? I heard it. Why? Universal question, right? Why? Y'all say it with me. Why? And what is the universal answer that parents give? Yeah, exactly. Because I said so. Right? Why? Because I said so. But let's be honest for a minute. That is a not very satisfying answer. Right? I mean, that never really felt right. Because I said so. Because I said so. Okay, well, who made you boss? God made me boss. You know, you go all the way down the line and ultimately it's like, well, I've got the power. I can make you do what I want you to do. And, I, and it's because I said so. That's why. Right? But it begs the question, why should we obey? Why should we follow our Father's commands? Why should we do His will? And the answer is not, because I said so. The answer is not because of His power. This is important because a lot of times we think about God primarily as the ruler, as the one who is boss, as the one who has all the power, and I better do what He says do or He's going to boom, get me, right? We think of God that way sometimes, but God does not present Himself like that in the Word. God does not present Himself primarily as a ruler who rules over you. He primarily presents himself as a father who loves you. And so the answer to the question, why, is not because I said so, but the answer to the question, why, is because I love you. The answer to the question, why, is not because I said so, The answer to the question why is because I love you. Sometimes we forget that our Father loves us. Which begs the question, who is God? What is God like? There's one verse in the Bible in 1 John that says these three words. God is, what is it? Love. God is love. It doesn't say God loves, right? It doesn't say God does some loving things, but it says God is love. All right, and we're going to take a minute and break that down. All right, because if you are something, that means it has to do with your existence, your being, your very essence of who you are. And so if God is love, then that tells us something about God. And we're going to get a little theological here. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Okay, we're going to get a little theological, and here it is. There is one God who exists eternally. That means forever and ever in the past and forever and ever in the future. One God who exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, one God in three persons. That is how the Bible reveals God to us. Now, does that make sense? Does, is there anything in creation that, that matches up to that? 
No, not really. You know, people have tried to make analogies to try to explain it, like water takes three forms, you know, liquid, gas, solid, right? But that's not quite right because water can only be one kind of thing at a time, right? It can only be solid when it's solid. It it can't be gas and liquid and solid all at the same time. But God reveals himself in the Bible to be all three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, at the same time. I'll give you two examples, okay? The first one is at the beginning of creation. Very first chapter of the Bible. You have God in the beginning, God, and we can read into that, God the Father. At the beginning, God, and then we have the Spirit. Right there, right in the same couple of verses, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and then what did God do? God spoke. And Jesus is is known in the Word as the Word of God. And so right at the very beginning of the Bible, you have the Trinity. All right, now there's that word, the Trinity. We'll talk more about what that means. But you have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son in one place, at one time, in unity and in Trinity. Unity in Trinity or we might say Trinity in unity, or tri-unity, which is actually where we get the word Trinity. It's two words put together, three and one. Tri-unity. Put those two words together, tri-unity, and you get what? Trinity, <laughs> right? So it's, Trinity is just a mashed up word, okay? It's three and one, literally what it means, all right? It's not a Bible word, by the way. That word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible. You won't find it in the Bible, but it explains what is in the Bible, Right there on the first page. All right? Fast forward to the New Testament. So that's one Old Testament example. There are others. Fast forward to the New Testament, and we have the baptism of Jesus. All right? All the gospel writers tell us this very story right here, that when Jesus was baptized, Jesus was in the flesh, right? He is taken on a human nature. He's standing there. He's walked down into the water, and they're pouring the waters of baptism over him, which is the image of the dove coming down. There's a, there's a dove that people can see taking the appearance of a dove. This is the Holy Spirit falling on the Lord Jesus. And what do people hear? A voice from heaven. And what does the voice from heaven say? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so right there in that moment of Jesus' baptism, you have the three persons of God, the, the, the Son, the Spirit, and the Father, the voice of the Father, all at once. Now, there is nothing in the world that can help us understand that except that this is just who God is. Now, let, now we've talked about creation. We've talked about Jesus' baptism. Let's go back before that. Let's go back to before creation. If God were only one person, and if God is love, then who did God love before he created anyone. If God is only one person, if he's just God, the person, then who did he love? If he's love, if his very existence is love, then who did he love before the creation? No one. He was alone. He was solitary. But God teaches us that that is not what God's like. God is not only one. God is one and three. And so even before the creation, God has this loving relationship within his essence. 
Within himself, God is what? Love. The Father eternally loving the Son. The Father and the Son sharing this dance with the Holy Spirit. That there is this community before creation. And so God did not create the world so that He could have some people uh, to love. He already loved before the creation. You see that? Isn't that beautiful? This, this, I, this doctrine of the Trinity, people want to throw it away. And there's churches around here that, that teach that the Trinity is not the Trinity. But it's important. This is an important idea. It's an important truth from God. That God exists in unity and Trinity. One in three. And so creation then is not about God creating someone to love. What it is, is it's God saying, I want more to love. And, and, and creation becomes an overflow of a God who is in his essence giving Loving, communicative. It overflows from God's essence. That is who He is. Eternally Father. Eternally Son. Eternally Holy Spirit. Now, we are focusing in this month on the Father. But I wanted to kind of break that down a little bit, the Trinity. And, and, and it, was, it was this week that was St. Patrick's Day, right? And, and there's a meme going around the internet about the Trinity and St. Patrick. And I'm going to share it on our Facebook page so you can watch it, okay, if you haven't seen it. It's, it's awesome. God is love. Because God is three in one. Y'all got that? God is love. Because God is three in one. Now let's turn to our passage. And we're just going to take two verses at a time and break this down a little bit. So in verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away. They sacrificed to the Baals, the false gods. And they burned incense to the images God says, when Israel was a child. You see his fatherliness here? See, God is relating to his people as father. Because God doesn't just have one son. God has adopted people to be in his family. We're not his natural children. We're his adopted children. And Israel was God's first adopted children. All right, And so God loves, he says, Israel was a child, I loved him. And this is talking about, Israel is referring to this group of people, this nation. This nation of people who've put their faith in God. Who put their trust in Him. This is God's people. It's always been by faith. And these people in history and time were enslaved in Egypt. And so the scripture says, I loved Him and and out of Egypt I called Him. And so see, it was God's love that drove Him to rescue his child out of Egypt. It was his love for his son, Egypt, uh, his son Israel, to call him out of slavery, out of danger, just like you when you call your child out of danger. That's what the father is doing when he calls Israel out of Egypt. God's mercy flows out of his love because his children are rebellious. Do you see that? It says, 
The more they were called, the more they went away from me. Have you ever called a child and like, I need you to come to dinner? And it's like those words go in, and when they get inside the brain, they're like, you know, I don't think I want to go to dinner. And then they go back out the other side, right? And, and, and then the more you call, hey, I need you to come to dinner. I need you to come to dinner. I need you to come to dinner. The more the child is like, nah, nah, I'm not, not coming to dinner. The more they were called, the more they went away from me. Can y'all relate to that? The more they went away from me like a stubborn child or adult. Amen. Let's bring everyone into it, right? Because it's not just children. It's us too, right? The more God calls us to do what he wants us to do, the more we're like, I don't think so, God. I think I'm going to do things my way this time, right? I think I'm going to do this on my own, right? What, right? All my stash, right? I'm going to do this all my stash. And that's why God sent his only begotten son, his natural child, his eternal son. That's why God had to send Jesus into this world to make a way for us to be rescued out of Egypt. God had to send his own son into this world to take on our very humanity so that we could be united to him. So that we, our life could be wrapped up in Jesus' life. That's what salvation really is. It's, it's not just about forgiveness. It's about being connected to Jesus. It's about being sons and daughters who are united to Christ. We are united to the Son of God by faith. And so that means that everything that he did is true of us. He lived a life of love. And so when the Father looks at you with faith in Christ, he says, well done, Tatiana. I don't care how much you screwed it up. When God looks at you, he sees you and he received you completely as his daughter. And and I heard it in your prayer a minute ago. Because he loves you that way. He's adopted you. And and there's no question about his love. He loves you just as he loves his own natural son. Now just so there's no confusion, Jesus was not created. Okay, He has eternally been the son of God. And that's where eternity in God's essence, there's this internal relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Alright, that's a sidebar. Okay? But Jesus was not created. He's eternally begotten. Eternally the Son of God. All right. Verse 3. God says to his people, It was I who taught Ephraim. Ephraim is is a synonym for Israel, okay? It's just a synonym for Israel. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms... Picture it in your head. Picture this in your head. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Got it? Picture it. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. 
Do you see the love that the father has for his children in those verses? Do you see it? Do you feel it? He taught them to walk. He bent down to feed them. He held them up close to his cheek. He led them with cords of kindness. Last week's sermon was about discipline, right? Cords of kindness. He disciplines the one he, come on, yes. He disciplines the one he loves. God relates to you as his child. Now that image that you just had of God teaching a child to walk and of God lifting up a child and holding him close to cheek to cheek and that image of God bending down as a father and feeding his son or his daughter. Now I want you to realize that's you. You are the one that God lifts up and holds close to His cheek. You are the one that He leads with cords of kindness. You are the one that He he stoops down to, to feed and the one that He holds close to His cheek. That's you. If you're His child, that is you. Why should we obey God? Why? Because I said so? No. Because He loves you. Because He loves you. That's why we should obey. Did you know the Ten Commandments? You know, the, the summary of the law, the rules, right? The Ten Rules. Did you know that at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, God expresses His love for Israel? At the very beginning of Exodus chapter 20, the first thing before God says, thou shalt, thou shalt not, the first thing he says is, I have brought you out of the land of slavery. I have delivered you from Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. The law begins. The rules are rooted in the love that the Father has for his children. That's so important. Because look, we have a God who is triune. We have a God who is love in His essence from eternity. He is love and His love overflows. And we get to experience it, but so much of the time we settle. We settle for a God who is only one person in our minds. We settle for, the God, for a God like Allah, who is a powerful, strong God. And yes, He has mercy, but He is not love. Allah is not love. The God of Scripture, the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is love. In His essence, He is love. And it makes all the difference because it makes all the difference how we relate to Him. Because if God is only one person, then maybe today He's a police officer. Maybe today He's a police officer. And if you're like me, Friday I was driving across Orangeburg and I had a police officer in my rear view. And for some reason, His lights were on. They weren't flashing, they were just on. And what did I do? I was like, uh, what did I do? You know, I'm looking at my speedometer, I'm like, are my tags right? I'm thinking of all the things that I probably did wrong. (laughs) Right? And some of us relate to God that way. We think God is always on our case. We think God is like a police officer. He's always looking to see how you broke the rules. But the Bible doesn't present God as one person like that presents God as complex, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 and, 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 and so He's not this disciplinarian who's after you. He's a Father who loves you with cords of kindness. 
And so, if you know God like that, if you know God as Father, i got two points of application for you here. The first one is this. You can stop running. Because I know some of you are running. You are running from God, the true God. You're running from him. You're running from him. Because maybe you think he's a police officer and you got to get out of Dodge. Right? you got hit to the, hit the pedal to the metal and try to avoid God somehow. But that's not who God is. He's not the police officer. He is the Father. And maybe we have a hard time relating to fathers. And so we need to learn who God is. Read Hosea 1-4. through Read about the Father's love. Read that He loves you, that He wants to be with you, that He wants to lift you up close. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to share His heart with you. He wants to give you whatever you need. He wants to provide for you. He wants to listen to your prayers. God actually wants to listen to you. You Sometimes fathers are like, I don't got time for you, kid. Stop talking. Go away. You know, like earthly fathers are like that. We're, we're, we don't reflect the Father very well. But the Father is, the fa- God the Father is always eager to listen to what you got to say. He is always eager. And then your prayers do not have to be pretty. I, I tell my kids, you don't have to dress up your prayers. Your prayers just need to be talking to your Father. Dad? Abba? I'm weary today. Dad, I think I screwed up. (laughs) Right? Our prayers are are just communication with our Father. He loves you. So you can stop running from Him. You can stop running from Him. Stop running from His love. Stop running from His love. Um, A few verses later, I have a slide. Zay, can you pull up verse 8? Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. This is where, okay, so so Hosea, uh, the whole book is awesome. Got to read the whole book of Hosea. But God is talking about his love for his people and the conflict. They keep running from him and he keeps coming to them. He keeps pulling them with these cords of love, right? And so right here in verse 8, he says this. He says, God, I want you to feel God's heart in verse 8. God says, how can I give up on? How can I give up on you, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. God is saying this about His Son. He's saying this about you. If you are his child, if you have put your faith in the Lord, he's speaking about you. How can I give up on you? You may give up on yourself, but your father will never give up on you. You may may hand yourself over and say, you know what, I'm tired of trying to live this life. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do what feels right in the moment. And your father says, but I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. You can run from the Father's love, but He will find you. And y'all, He ain't mad at you. (laughs) He ain't mad at you. He loves you the same way He loves His eternal, natural Son. The exact same way He loves you, His adopted child. He loves you the same. We just have to believe it. 
And we just have to stop running from him. Golly, I mean, this, I, I know as a, as a dad, there's so many times where I fall into the trap of just being the police officer, you know. But sometimes I remember, and sometimes when my kids are having a moment, you know, God reminds me, he puts it in my head, and he says, you know what you need to say? You need to say, I love you. And even this week, one of my kids was upset. And, I, and God gave me a moment of inspiration uh, to say, not, why don't you stop being angry? Why don't, you, why don't you just stop it? But not that, just to say, I love you. It, nothing but love, unconditional, undeserved love will break through your hard and stony heart or mine. And so if you think God is a police officer, he's not. He's a father who loves his children. So you can stop running and you can draw near to him. You can draw near to him. You know, relationships are all about communication. Uh, we've been talking about in our family uh, how we spend all of our time looking at our devices. Right? So, I mean, it's the modern family, right? We, we, we look at our devices constantly, but how often are we actually communicating with each other? I'm not blaming the devices. The devices are just tools. Right? We turn lots of good things into bad things. But what we need in families is communication. What we need between parents and children, mothers and children, fathers and children, mothers and aunts and uncles, neighbors, everyone, whoever's in the family, we need communication. And so we can draw near to the Father's love through, a, through building a relationship with God. How do we do that? What is communication? It's two things. All right? Boil it down. Two things. It is speaking. And what's the other one? Listening. Communication is two ways, right? It's speaking and it's listening. And God has given us two tools. One is for speaking and one is for listening. And we shouldn't get them confused, all right? Prayer is for speaking. It's not for listening. Sometimes we think prayer, I got to like listen in prayer. No, Prayer is talking. <laughs> That's what it is. It's speaking to God. Okay? So don't get them confused. Prayer is telling God what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Prayer is not about listening. Okay, there's some teaching out there that prayer is listening. It's not. Show me the verse where prayer is listening. It's not there. Prayer is speaking. And look, that ought to be liberating to you. Because I was, speaking, I was talking with one of, uh, one of the church members recently, and he said, I'm just having trouble praying. And I was like, well, tell me about it. Why, why are you having trouble praying? He said, I just don't hear God. I don't hear God saying anything. I'm like, you're not praying. You're, if you're sitting there trying to listen to God, that ain't prayer, <laughs> okay? This is, this is Christianity 101 here, folks. Prayer is speaking to God. Y'all get it? It's, it's speaking to God, and that ought to free you because now you don't have to come to God and be like, I don't hear God. You're, do, you're doing it wrong. You've got you to speak to God. Prayer is speaking to God. It's telling, 
The Lord's Prayer. Where did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Listen. Right? He says prayer is talking to God. And how do you start the Lord's Prayer? Come on. Our Father. Prayer is talking to your dad. Y'all got it? It's not listening. It's talking to your dad. Now that doesn't mean there aren't times where you need to be still before the Lord. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But, but that's not prayer. Prayer is speaking to God. All right, that's one half. What's the second half? Listening. Listening is when we read the word of God. Uh, the Bible tells us that God has spoken to us. And at one time he spoke through the prophets and through the apostles, and then it says, and now he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so the Bible, all right, the Bible, what y'all have on your phone or in your, in your hands, is the word of God from the prophets, the apostles, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and, and revealing, most of all, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will send you my spirit to remind you of all the things that I've said to you. And so the reason we have the Bible is because we have the Holy Spirit who inspired its authors to write it down. Those prophets and the apostles. And so y'all, today we have the Word of God in written form. It was written down so that we can know for certain who God is. It's revealed to us. He has spoken His Word. You don't have to listen for a voice in your head. That is not God speaking to you. Okay? It's not. It's probably not. It could be a demon speaking to you. How do you know what God wants to say to you? It's in his word. Do you read the Bible? Do you read it? Do you know anything that's in it? And I'm asking you because this is Christianity 101, brothers and sisters. Christianity is not just a, it's not a mysticism. It's not like I got to figure it out. No, God's, he's spoken to us clearly. And what happens is when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit who indwells our hearts, takes the words on the page and communicates it to us. That's how we hear. That's how we listen to what God is saying. We read the Word. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not hearing anything that God is saying to you. And I will, I will take that to the bank. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not hearing anything that God is saying to you. You're probably believing devils. I'm serious. It's endemic in our community. People don't read the Bible and they're like, God told me X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, he didn't. (laughs) Show me where he said that in his word. And we live our lives so, we're we're so frazzled all the time. Why? Because we're not really listening to God. We're not really listening to our Father. So we need to be listening to our Father. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we read the Word and as we consider what God has, has said. And, and, and the, what does the Bible say? The Word of God is living and active. It's not just an old book, but it's alive today too. Why? Because the Spirit takes the Word and makes it present to us and speaks to us what God wants to say to us. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> I asked permission to share this story. And Donald's here. <laughs> um, uh, a few days ago, a few, maybe a week ago, we were sitting together talking about the situation uh, that Donald has with his son, uh, Tavon. 
And you guys know Tavon was in a home, in, he was in a home invasion, is that the best way to say it? He was in a home invasion and he was shot four times. Some of you don't know that Tavon uh, suffered an injury to his spine. And he is paralyzed from the waist down. Um, some of you don't know that. Now you know how to pray better. Um, and I was, we were, Donald and I were talking and just talking about in his son, his oldest son, and how Donald has tried as a father over and over to draw his son in, to, to help him, to, to bring him out of harm's way and into safety and into a better situation just over and over in his life, right? Just, just tried to bring him into a good situation, tried to, to do this, <laughs> right? To, to, to bring him in with cords of love and kindness. And, and, and Tavon doesn't always respond to that. Just like we don't, right? He doesn't always respond to his father's love. And as we were talking the other day, I was sitting there thinking, man, at what point do you just let your kid go and just deal, you know, suffer the consequences? At what point do you just kind of let him go? I, didn't, I don't think I said it out loud. <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> you know what Donald said? He said, how can, I give, how can I give him up? How can I hand him over? He's my son. I, I love him. How can I give him up? Y'all, that hit me. <laughs> that was convicting. And, amen. And when I read the scripture this week, I thought about that. And I texted it to Donald. I said, this is what the father's love is like. We're always running away from him. We're always finding trouble, right? But God has a way of not giving up on us, calling us back, speaking to us, waiting for us to speak to him, to respond to him, and that communication, that two-way communication, prayer and scripture. God the Father says, I was one who lifts up a little child to the cheek. This is the image I want you to leave with today of the Father, God the Father, eternally the Father, lifting you up, holding you close, drawing you near. You, you can stop running from him, brothers and sisters, today. Stop running from him. Receive his love. He, he loves you. He loves you so much he, he gave his son for you. And he pours out his spirit into your life so that you, he can have intimacy and communion with you by the Spirit. God wants more from you than mere obedience. He wants your love. And He invites you into His love each and every day. Let's pray. Lord, forgive me for going off my script today. <laughs> I pray that, um, that these words are sanctified, Lord, and that they're true. Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would convince us, every one of us, of your love. That we would see you for who you are, the creator who was already fully and completely love from eternity. And that, that, that all of this is just an overflow of your giving nature. 
And so, Lord, I pray for us today that this, this, this would transform how we think about you. That it would transform how we relate to you. That we can come to you as a father with simple words of prayer. With simple ears to listen to what you have to say to us. That you would speak clearly to us, Lord, through your word. Through your Holy Spirit working in our hearts the truth that you have for us there, Lord. And Lord, I pray that... Lord, I pray that Tavon would know his father's love and not just his earthly father, but that he would know his heavenly father's love as well. And Lord, I pray that for each person here, that we would not only know love in this world, we would know eternal love, unconditional love, love that is full of mercy and grace, love that is self-giving, love that comes from the Father. An overflow of your heart, Lord. Do that in us, Lord. Give it to us. Help us to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.